about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshigma, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. quickly talk just for a few minutes. I'm going to rush through this, but you've really got to listen to this. It's called Problems at the Prayer Altar. Problems at the Prayer Altar. In the book of Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1 to 2 quickly. Because I may be a bit quiet. The devil is a liar. Isaiah 59 verse 1 to 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. I rebuke the spirit of confusion. Ah, this came to me again. I rebuke the you 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 are confused. You need to make a decision. And you are confused. I'm not saying that many decisions we don't know what to do, but this is intense. It could be a career. It could be so, you're just confused. You've prayed, you're not hearing anything. Stand quickly. I'm, I'm, I want to pray for you. Quickly, quickly, if that's you. If there's nobody, let me continue. Uh, upstairs, thank you, Jesus. I decree, some of you don't even know if it is you or not. You will know, you will know. You're just in between making a decision. I declare upon everyone standing here, raise your hands. I declare that spirit of confusion has gone now. Under the sound of my voice, clarity will come to you. You want to hear? No. Something will take you to the place of your clarity in the name of Jesus. I, I want to declare upon you that God's mercy will make his decision on your behalf. And I come against that confusion in the name of Jesus. I want to prophesy over a young couple here. This is your year. Marry. Don't postpone it. Marry. It is next year you will break up. This year you will come together. I just feel it within my spirit. You're, you're, you keep postponing it because of money. I can marry you in my office. I can marry you upstairs. Marriage, and it, 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 marriage is not a wedding. Marriage is a lifetime. And you're confused. God, I don't have enough money. And the devil is fighting against you. Not the money. Not your lack of money. He wants to destroy that purpose. I declare in the name of the both of you will come to that place of uniqueness and decision in the name of Jesus. You will not postpone what God has ordained in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, shout aloud, Amen. You may take your seats in the presence of God. Let me quickly say this too. Uh, I wrote this three years ago um, and it's just don't do something. This will help. It's a very small booklet. Um, and I've got a lot of testimonies from this. Uh, many parents have told you to do so a course you don't like. You went to university and did a course you don't like. You're living a life, walking in a place you don't like and all that. So, and you need clarity. What do I need to do? This is five pounds. At the end of the service, at the bookshop, is someone at the bookshop? I'm sure there will be someone uh, there. Please let me know because sometimes we make announcements and people say there was no one there. 
Is someone going to be at the book? Yes. Someone who said yes, I need to know who will be there. Uh, the person who will be there, come forward. Let me see you right now. Uh, because I know this church. Everyone just says yes. Somebody said yes and there's no one. Yeah. Oh, thank you, darling. Yes. Uh, uh, at the end of the service, go pick it up. It's five pounds for one. Uh, and God bless you as, you as you show it to people's life. You will know what to do. And during this fasting and praying, I will be talking about direction, clarity, guidance. Somebody's asking me, how do I hear the voice of God? Please go onto our website. The sermon is in there and it will bless you. All right. I've taken another five minutes out of my time. Isaiah chapter 59, 1 to 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. He says, But there's a problem at the prayer altar. He says, What? He says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. Problems at the prayer altar. Permit me to first define prayer altar. Permit me to first define what we mean by altars. Altars are places where the divine and the human world interact. An altar is mentioned 370 times in the Bible. Altars are places of exchange, places of communication, places of influence. God responded actively to altar activity. For altars, altars, altars. Altars are places you build up and bring a remembrance of God there. What is worship tabernacle's altar? Every January is our altar. We create an altar. We rebuild the altar if it's broken down. It's called altars. You have altars. Some of you even have rooms in your, in your house where you know that when you meet God. I can do a sermon in my sitting room. I can do a sermon looking at the TV. I can, I can prepare a sermon. But, 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 but when I go into my altar, when I go into my garage, when I sit down, I don't need to pray because the atmosphere in there has been created for the altars of God. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? And whether you like it or not, in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our generations, there have been altars that are speaking for or against you. Secondly, I need to say this to you. You cannot piggyback on the altars of your parents. You have to develop your own altars. Jesus made a reference to the potency of altars in the book of Matthew, chapter 23 and verse 19. He says, you blind men, which is greater the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred. It means that God honors altars. He honors places that when you go on your knees, you are creating altars. Every morning you wake up at 6 a.m., you're creating an altar. Every time you come at 8 p.m., you're coming back to the place of your altars. Altars are important in our lives. The contest between Elijah and the prophet of Baal involved an altar. And it demonstrated the interaction between Baal and Yahweh our God. The, the Elijah said to them, if God is God, call fire down. Let fire come down right now and burn this altar. 
and they did it, they couldn't do it. They, they caught themselves, they called on their altars, called on their bow. Fire didn't come down. But when Elijah came, what was the first thing Elijah did? The Bible says, Elijah repaired the altars. He prepared also. He said, now bring water. Water was scarce in those days. Bring a sacrifice on the altar. And then he made only one prayer. He says, the God of heaven, so that you will authenticate me, let fire come down. He didn't go into an intercession. He just spoke. Listen to me. He just spoke. Because altars are places of stability. Altars are places of stability, especially in an environment of uncertainty. Jacob, in the book of Genesis, chapter 35 and 7, he built an altar called El Bethel. He says, and he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. That means at your place of altar, there are a few things that you will find. Number one, you will find help. Number two, you will find life. Number three, you will find healing. Number four, you will find safety. He found safety when he was running away from Esau. He found life in the book of Genesis chapter 28. And if you read from 28, verse 10 to 19, the Bible says when Jacob was fleeing from Esau, he got to a place, he put his head down, he put his head down on a stone, but the stone became a pillow because it was a place, it was an altar created from his father Abraham. And the Bible says the angels of God started ascending and descending in the place. And Jacob woke and said, ah, I didn't know that this is the gateway of heaven. Your altars is your gateway of communication between you and God. It is your gateway to heaven. I missed an amen somewhere. When Jacob was in, 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 in a pickle, he didn't know what to do. In the book of Genesis, chapter 31 and verse 13, if you have it all, you can help me put it on. He said, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know today. And then God came to him. He didn't say, I am the God of Abraham. He says, I am the God of what? Better, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your father. His, the altar he made years ago, over 30 years ago. God says, I am the God of that altar. Go back because I will, I will protect you. The altar is a place where you receive answers. Your prayer is a place where you receive answers. Luke chapter 1, 11 to 13. The Bible says when Zechariah was in the, in, 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 in the holies of holies at the place of the altar, God said to him, I will give you a son. Your altars. Altar is a place where God speaks, where God meets the man. God meets the man at the place of his altar. An altar brings you closer to God. And there's a constant flow between you and God. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? So these 30 days that we're praying is just not something that we're doing. It is an altar that you are raising. Abraham's spiritual journey was signified by his altar experience. And worship tabernacle is standing on an altar that was erected before this church started. He started. It's an altar. Any principality or power of darkness that comes against us cannot work because there is an altar. There's an altar for my family. There's an altar that is being built. But there's a question we need to ask. So why do we have problems at the prayer altar? Or why do we have a delay in our prayers being answered? While some people have instant answers. Listen to me. My young, young, 
Gen Z's. Gen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to me, my homies. Listen to me, my G's. Listen to me, your millennium. Listen to me, whoever and whatever you are. Can we stop this activity? It's distracting me. Listen to me clearly. Because even among you young ones, there are companies of people that before they call, God answers. Listen to me, listen to me. While they are yet speaking, he will perform. That means there is a realm in God where you provoke a divine intervention without having to pray. A, a, a gentleman came to me one day, says, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going for an interview. I said, go, I don't need to pray for you. He says, why? I said, because the things you have done for God is speaking on your behalf. And he got it. My prayer is, 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 is pointless because there are altars that gent- young man has raised that is speaking on his path. It, it is a realm of answered prayers without tears. It is a realm where God contends with all that contends with you. It is a realm that was created before Moses even met Pharaoh. It is a realm of reaching heaven without shouting. It is a realm where you provoke answers without asking. I pray this decade you will get to that place. So listen to what I'm saying right now. So some have engaged in many days of fasting, which only ended them in more frustration because they do not know what it takes to open heaven. Winning the prayer war is not a function of rigorous intercession, supplication, or prayer of agreement. Listen to me. There there are other direct avenues that bring you victory without sweat. I remember when we wanted to buy this building. I decided that on the first of the year, first Sunday of the year, I will raise an offering to buy this building. I thought I can whip up people's emotion and they will give. I went to my mentor then, the spiritual father. I said to him, I want to raise this for our building. What is your advice? He says, go and pray. I looked at him like, in, this is what I said in myself. Do I not know that I should pray? He says, if you raise an offering that doesn't come from your altar, you will fall flat. He says, when you get into your altar, God will tell you when to do it and how to do it. When we went into my altar and I prayed, it went past the 1st of January. It went past the month of January. I said, God, when do you want to do it? He says, let me first give you what you need to tell. Tell them it's the Haggai fund. Number two, the day you take the offering, you understand, the only amount of money that will come in will be what you and your wife contributed and just a few hundred pounds. He says, but this is the, this is the trick. Do not be discouraged because I'm raising an army that will help you. That day, when God says raise it, I raised the offering. And I said, everyone, we're trying to buy this building then. Let's raise an offering. Uh, if anyone can pledge 15000 10000 and all that. Trust me, we, we, the amount of congregation had in, in those days were only on this side. That was the amount of people in the entire worship tabernacle on this side. We got that day 15,100 pounds. And the whole 15,000 came from my wife and I. 
Just imagine how I was going home. I was looking forward to them telling me what the offering was. And they said 15,100. And my heart sank and then it leaped up for joy almost immediately. I said, God, the devil is a liar. In two weeks, we raised 120,000 pounds. Because it didn't come from trying to trick people out of money. It came from a prayer altar of financial provision. So if I had raised the offering based on trickery, it is because my altar has been polluted. So I want to give you four weapons of prayer that you can use on your altar that will make you unbeatable in the fast. Because my whole desire and heart is that we don't go through this whole entire fasting and praying and at the end of the month, uh, towards February, there's no answers. Why don't we receive answers? Why is it that even before we pray, our answers, and our answers are not given to us immediately? Why can't I understand what God is saying? Why can't I know what to do? Why am I confused? What are the things that is causing a delay in my prayer? Are we ready to go through this in 10 minutes? Ready? Number one, it's called righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness and purity. And some people have just gone home. Because you know, in many churches, people don't preach about righteousness and purity. If there is no righteousness on your altar, God can't hear your prayer. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard iniquity, what? In my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, my young ones. Upstairs, are you listening to me? Can you hear me? Say yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Listen, prayers are wasted where iniquity abounds. Prayers are wasted where iniquity abounds. Listen to me. Pray, I'm going to say this again. Prayers are wasted where iniquity abounds. There's no point turning a key fervently and with strength when it is in the wrong key. When it's the wrong key. You, you can't take a key and just put it in a place and start twisting it when exactly it's the wrong key. It's the wrong key. Unconfessed sin is like a ball and a chain. It will hold you back. Don't, listen to me, everyone. Don't regard sin. Don't love sin. Don't cherish sin. This is getting a bit quiet. Come on, I preach. Don't make an alibi for sin. Don't give excuses for sin. If I don't sleep with him, he will leave me. He will leave you after you got married because you, you, you left God behind. He won't come before you get married. You, you will get the guy. But you would have lost God a long time ago. Don't cover up sin. Don't make sin become a controversy between you and God. Because God won't punish you with sin, but the sin will punish you. God is not, God is not angry at you. No. God is angry at sin. Because of what the sin will do to you. It will can set you back 10 years. It can destroy your decades. Demons only have the permission to operate in the place of unrighteousness. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They don't preach this in church. Listen, you're getting me here. You cannot live an unrighteous life and then start praying. There are problems at your altar. The prayer altar of Saul in the Bible was broken down because of the sin of disobedience. When he could not pray again, he had to look for other sources of power. He went to consult a witch doctor, which was a terrible mistake because he received his death sentence at the witch doctor. 
And that's many people will leave church because they will say, eh, they, 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 they told me to do this, but I don't think it's right. Wherever you go, you will find out that the sin will follow you if you don't clean up your altar. The Bible says Elijah, he repairs the altar. We can't go through a fast with sin in our lives. It's time to confess, it's time to repent, it's time to let it go. All form of bitterness and unforgiveness will put a clog in your will. When we live righteous lives, we are guaranteed a speedy answer of prayer. First Peter chapter 3 verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open up to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The prayer of the righteous is a priority to God. It gives divine attention. The Bible didn't say God hears all prayers. The Bible says it's the, bl- the blessings of answered prayers is only for the righteous. You've got to live right. Don't fast if you're not living a right life. You're shacking up with someone and then you want God to bless you. You, 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 you left that guy's house or that lady's house and you came to church and say mighty warrior. There's no warrior that's mighty. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you. Both of you come to church. Okay, I know you sinned last night. You went to the club. Hey, come to church, hear the word and repent. Say to the person, this month I'm giving it unto God. And what you do in 30 days will now become a habit. You will not go back to it. Do you know you can win a soul by your righteous act? Many of you, nah, nah, nah. Pastor, you don't understand. We young ones these days, the devil is whipping you young ones up and you don't really understand. You think the devil is old? He's not old. He's not old. And God's word never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. You think God will wrap his arm around you? He loves you. Of course he loves you. But if you go, if you become a prodigal son, you're a prodigal son. You're not a son, you're just prodigal. You're off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Righteousness is what you use to repair your altar. Number two, realignment. Realignment. Realign yourself with God's plan and watch him begin to walk in your life. It's called submission. It's called submission. The problems that we have at our prayer altar is there's unrighteousness and there's no realignment. Now, hold your chair in front of you properly because we're going through a turbulence. We are, trust me, because the next word I'm about to say, there's going to be turbulence. Listen to me. Power is not in prayer. Ah, yeah, I could see someone saying, ah. I told you. Power is not in prayer. Prayer is important as we describe it. Yet, the power belongs to God, not in prayer. Think of prayer as a weapon that is used to allow God to walk on your behalf. There is no power in a ballistic missile. It is the power belongs to the person who presses the button. And I'm not talking about any president right now. <laughs> the, 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 the missile can do nothing by itself unless someone directs it to where it's going. It's the same with prayer. 
Jesus said that with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and thy outstretched hands. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Hence, in the garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus did not win by the power of prayer, but made prayer battle his will of consecration. And he won. He used prayer to submit his will and align it to God. Not use his prayer to destroy the purpose of God for his life. Submit his will. Submit to his will. Separate yourself unto God. You will never enjoy prayer unless you enjoy God's presence. Listen to me. Write it down. You can put it on any podcast you have or your Instagram. As you become an influencer, a positive one, a righteous one, not an unrighteous one. When you are praying, listen to me. When who you are praying to becomes more important than what you are praying for, what you are praying for will change from a need to an answer. I'm going to say this again. When who you are praying to becomes more important than what you're praying for, then what you are praying for will change from a need to an answer. Because where you place God in your heart determines where he places you on the earth. When you make God first, you can't be last. The purpose of prayer is not to secure possessions. It is to receive impartation. Because five minutes of relationship is worth more than five hours of ritual. I used to pray, and I still do pray, hours. Until I got married. That's when my prayer altar changed. Because here I will pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Nothing will happen. Here my wife will pray for five minutes. Just simple, you know, God answer. And heaven will answer. I looked at her life. I looked at mine. I'm like, something's not right here. But then I just decided to find out that I'm not in alignment with God. If you take a combination lock and you put the wrong lock, the wrong combination in and it's not aligned, it will not open. Number three, I call it rejection. Rejection. What do you mean by that? Your prayer altar becomes polluted when you reject faith. Rejection of faith is unbelief. Rejection of faith is unbelief. I have found many prayer, listen to me, I have found many prayer warriors who are gallant failures. But you can never point to a faith giant who is not a super success. Listen to me. Thousands of prayers have been strangled in their infancy by unbelief. Unbelief is doubting Christ himself, the object of one's faith. Are you with me right now? So when we go before God, as I said, we, we don't... We're praying on an altar that is full of unbelief. 
Sorry, I'm using my wife as an example, but surely she married a pastor and I learned more from her in prayer because I'm the one that wakes up in the middle of the night and I'm worried and she's the one who is sleeping and I'm angry that she's sleeping. She's the one that when we were praying together and believing God for a car, I was believing God for a Honda Accord because that's where my faith could arise. And she was believing God for a Mercedes. And we prayed for three months. Nothing happened. One day by accident, I just asked, what car are you believing God for? We were holding hands. You know, they said when you want to do a prayer, we go hold hands. Nonsense. You can hold hands and nothing will happen. I'm telling you. We are holding hands. And most of the time I'm like, ballistic missile prayer. I said, what are you? I said, I just asked, what are you? What car are you actually? Are we believing believe God from? She said a message. And I dropped her hand immediately and walked away. <laughs> Like, look at this uncircumcised Philistine. Ha! Where, where would you get the money from? I just looked at her. And I felt disgusted. Like, ah! No wonder God hasn't given us a, 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 a Honda. <laughs> look, please forgive me for those who are saying, hey, he talked about cars. That's listen to my whole sermon. Because it's not cars I spoke about. I'm just talking about something that happened like 21 years ago. Relax. Instead of you complaining, you pray. You're in the same category. Me and you, they for the same category. <laughs> Some of you will get it tomorrow. I said, ah. And then she said to me, she said, well, can't we believe God for good things? But you know where I was coming from? I was coming from a household of poverty. Nobody owned a bicycle in my generation. My dad had to work years before he could buy a Volkswagen car. And then he had to pay it back over 15 years. The car was dead by the time he finished paying it back. But she, they, took, they used a Mercedes Benz to take her to school. See, are you, it was, the age of 30 was the first time I had my first cologne. And then you're not asking me to believe God for a message. Where, where, which planet are you coming from? And we left. We didn't finish. Did we finish the prayer that day? No, I, I think I just disappeared. <laughs> and, while I, and when I left, you, you see, men, you need to get down from your high horse sometimes and just say, God, who, who should I listen to? I just kind of left and said, God, actually, let me even put this to test. Are you a God that provides? So the following morning we came together. I said, I'm holding hands for a Mercedes. I said, my heart believes with you. My head is far from you. But I will at least speak it. Isn't it? Three months down the line, Lucent Technology called me, gave me a chief uh, engineer's job, and they said it comes with 500 pounds Per month car allowance. Guess the next shop I went to. <laughs> Three months down the line. And God has been faithful ever since. Three months. It's still my faith wasn't that high because when I went into the place, I said, What do you want? I said, A class. My wife looked at me and says, Ah. <laughs> unbelief. And until faith is in place, prayer will only end up in frustration. As powerful as the word of God is, it can only produce when faith is present. Jesus could do nothing 
Because they had unbelief. And lastly, I call it resistance. We have gone from righteousness to realignment to rejection and to resistance. What do you mean by resistance, pastor? Resistance is, when, is one of the most utterly devastating things that Christians can do to hinder God's move. It is called resistance to forgiveness. But if you forgive not men in their trespasses, neither will God your Father forgive your trespasses. People will always offend you, but your inability to forgive will cause the hands of God to be tied over your life. Sometimes we don't often see this, but most of our bitterness can be traced to God for allowing it to happen in the first place. God, I'm angry because you allowed this person to defraud me. And so we're bitter against the person and against God. Forgiveness is a creative act that changes us from prisoners of the past to liberated people at peace with our memories. There is no future in the past, ladies and gentlemen. You can never live in the past and create a new and exciting future. If you are going to make sure that your prayer altars are not polluted and heaven will answer your prayers, live a life that is righteous. Realign yourself to God's will, not my will, but thy will be done. God, I'm getting that man no matter what happens. I go into intercession and seven days of dry fast. You may get it, but it's not God's will. But when you step back from finding, God himself will go before you. Men that you think that your six-pack will find the girl. Trust me, even if he finds the girl in marriage, your six-pack will what? Pack up. I'm telling you. There was a day, I, I, thought, I thought I was God's gift to all women in my heydays until confusion came to me. And one thing kept saying to you, if you fail in the choice of your marriage, you failed, not me, God. I was walking down the plasto, the, from, from God our plasto station, walking down the steps and I just busted out crying. I said, God, no, 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 no. I have learned too much. I know too much than to miss this. So from now on, I stepped back from looking. I stopped looking. I actually stopped looking for a wife. I said, this, I can't do this in my own power. I stopped. I faced God. I faced ministry. It was in my counseling. Did I cancel? No. It was a phone call, wasn't it? It was a phone call. Yeah, you, were, you, you flunked your last... Yeah, she flunked her last exam. What? She flunked it. Uh, she, she's graduated now. You, flunked, you, you had a brain... You fainted. So God caused her to faint because he wanted to bring me on the scene. So she, she, she fainted for worship tabernacle. She fainted for all of you. She fainted. Her friend called me. I said I will give her a call. And I was canceling. I was, I was saying, don't worry, it will be well. You will graduate. God is on the scene and all that. Meet me in church. The phone, we've got a workers meeting. Meet me in church. She came. She sat in front of me. And the rest was history. God says, this is what you've been looking for. At that time, she didn't feel the bill. But I didn't know that today, she will be a mother of generations. <laughs> Prayer altar. Aligning yourself. I didn't want to go out with her. She was still in uni, Brunel University. Ah, the people I was going out with had cars. 
No, honestly, cars had money. Had to, uh, I'm like, ah, uh, a student. And when I had to go and pick her up from, 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 from the university on her last day, I had to ask her, the, her, 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 her sister's husband. And he says, well, you have to buy petrol into the car. I said, yeah, we're going. I'm buying petrol into the car. I, I was like, God, what is this? And in my prayer altar, God said to me, and listen to me, this will bless you. I saw I'm taking your time. This will bless you. I said to God, okay, this, this, this undergraduate, what benefit is she going to bring to me? You see, sometimes pride kills you. I was poor. There was no money in my account. But, but when you're poor, you align yourself with those who are a bit rich. They can take you out of... I was poor. Each time I go to the bank, it says uh, insufficient funds. See, 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 see the man talking. I said, God, what, what, what is this woman going to bring into my life? And I heard in my prayer altar, she will fund your vision. I said, fund. I said, what do you mean by fund? Because the accent you spoke to me is different. He said, she will financially fund your vision. And for seven years, this woman was funding the entire house. God blessed her beyond her hands. Whatever she touches, just turns around. For years, before I had to go back to my altar and just reverse it, like God, let me also fund her. <laughs> but the inception of worship tabernacle for years, she was paying the bills for the hall. Single-handedly, she was paying. When, there's, when they tell me how much is contributed, I say, did you just pay your tithes? Say yes. I say, hey. When you align yourself with God this month, your decades in front of you will be sorted out. Did you get anything from it? You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel, Worship Tabernacle, 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ, Archway, London. Thank you for listening.